Welcome everybody to the first episode of On Duty Raw. I am your host, Isaac Almaguer, and today we finally have our first guest and probably my most important guest. We have talked before because, I mean, he's known me most of my life, <laughs> but yeah, I think you'll get why here in a bit. But for now, we're going to go ahead and hear your side of the story and jump straight into it. So tell me a little bit about yourself. So my name is Arthur and I am a sergeant with the local sheriff's department. I've been in law enforcement for 21 years started my career um, in corrections, working in the jail. While I was in the jail, I went to the police academy, so I was kind of doing both, so 40 to 50 hours a week working in the jail, then doing another 30, 25, 30 hours a week going to the police academy at night, so I did a nighttime right. police academy. Uh, graduated the police academy after about a year because it was a nighttime academy, so it took me a little longer. Um, after I graduated the police academy, I started my career in patrol and did patrol for about four years and then I promoted to detective I was a gang detective for several years came back to patrol for some family reasons which I guess we'll get into probably yeah um came back to patrol after my time in detectives which was great um became an FTO ran a canine um started our peer support team which I'm super proud of um had some other adventures along the way and then about two and a half years ago promoted to sergeant awesome so there's obviously a lot there to unpack there's a lot of things it's 21 years of law enforcement a lot of years and i kind of want to go a little bit further back obviously you don't have to you know childhood experiences but sure. what kind of led up to that moment what'd you do before so i mean i didn't grow up in a law enforcement family but mm -hmm. i grew up in a military family so my dad was in the military so there was always kind of a I guess an example of serving, um, kind of wanting to give back to the community. So, right. I mean, but before getting into law enforcement, I, like I said, I had the only ties I really had is, I mean, my, my older brother was, is a probation officer. So mm -hmm. he kind of started that venture before. Um, so I kind of saw him, but I mean, I, it's not like I was a cadet or an explorer or anything like that. I just, just the example, like I said, of growing up in a military family, being around that, mm -hmm. seeing that that need to always want to give and take care of and protect. And then my brother going into it from the probation side. Um, I had a lot of friends that were going into law enforcement. Um, I actually started my career on the fire side of things. So I was on fire side of things for before I went to law enforcement. Um, I was just too young, experienced way too many medical aid calls. Um, yeah. And it kind of burned me out really quick. So my former basketball coach in high school was actually working for the department that I work for now. He's moved on to another department, and he was a big influence on me getting into this job. So Okay. I think that's funny because you started in a fire, and you went to law enforcement. Absolutely. And it's funny because I see a lot of memes that are like people become cops because they failed the, the firefighter academy. <laughs> yeah. But you actually went through it, and you were, you were a firefighter. I went through it. I was a firefighter, and like I said, I – 85% of the calls I responded to were medical aid calls mm -hmm. and I was young and kind of seeing little kids in distress and yeah. not really being able to help them mm -hmm. or, or seeing that I, I knew at the time that I was just too young to, to deal with that. And mm -hmm. it was, I mean, the burnout rate of a firefighter, public safety in, in general is, is vast anyways, but yeah. um, being 20 years old and seeing that I, I knew it was something that I couldn't do the next 30 years of my life. And needed to kind of change so right. it's interesting how because obviously we see a lot of young people going into this career path whether yeah. it's firefighters or law enforcement and in fact i have a close friend that's a firefighter right now yeah. and he loves it even yeah. though 
he does have those calls that affect him here yeah. and there, but he just loves the overall job and the community of firefighting. So yeah. that's interesting. So like, like I said, there's a lot to unpack there. Sure. Uh, that was kind of like your Uber five minute yeah. life story. Yep. Um, before I get into like the first like main questions, I kind of want to talk more about your actual career itself and yeah. you taking those steps and just your life in patrol leading up till you did detectives first. Uh, yeah. Right? Well, I started in corrections, but I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. You did, uh, from that moment mm-hmm. from patrol and. Yeah. My first specialty yeah. assignment was in detectives. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because I also, obviously I'm in corrections too. Yep. You know that. So I know how that feels. And especially going to the academy and doing corrections. Right. I That sounds rough. Because I, I already, I already having trouble with corrections, you know, just. <laughs> The workload it could be graveyard but yeah. I, I don't know what it is kind of starting we'll move from the correction just because i know the corrections mm-hmm. at least a lot more and we'll talk about that here on the show a lot more later on just starting from patrol going up to detectives how was that experience so it was great um you know it you really don't get kind of settled and really know a lot of how to be a patrol cop for at least five years i mean mm-hmm. you think you know a lot after two years but you really don't i mean looking five back years. Um, so it was one of those things where, and I work for a busy department anyways, mm-hmm. and we see a lot and do a lot and experience a lot. So it's not like we just go to calls. It's a big call. We lock down the scene and detectives come out and take everything over. Like right. we are hands on at our department and we do a lot from the patrol side anyways. Mm-hmm. So I experienced a lot within the first four years of my uh, time on patrol and just growing up in the community that I work in. Uh, I always saw that gangs were a problem, and I knew right. that they were around. They never really bothered me, but I just saw the blight that it had on the community. Mm-hmm. And so I always knew that that was something that I really wanted to tackle. So when our uh, sheriff at the time started our in-house gang unit, and then we actually had a gang task force that kind of worked outside through like a task force, joint agency task force, I knew that's something I wanted to be a part of. Um, so... You know, as a young patrol cop, I think I was on patrol maybe a year and a half when our gang in-house gang unit started. Um, so I really didn't have the experience yet, but that mm-hmm. was something I immediately began working towards. Um, I was basically learning as much as I could from those guys that were in the unit, um, always on their leg. Who are, they, who are you looking for? What can I do to help? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you need from me? Uh, anything I could do gang-wise I could learn, I learned from those guys. Um, So when the transition came to become a gang detective and I had the opportunity to apply and actually get the spot, um, you know, I I knew I was ready. I had had all this experience. A Mm no-brainer. Yeah. You think, I mean, I could see this because I've known this from you, but do you think the the time that you've learned about gangs and all of that and learning more about those people more in-depth has helped you long-term in your career? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. because with gangs, it's ever-changing. I mean, yeah. that's something that it's not like, um, you know, like child abuse or, I mean, other specialty assignments you could work. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is typically going to be the same. It's going to be a pattern of behavior with gangs. They change because they have to. So right. anytime we get some intelligence, intelligence on what they're doing, they're, they have to switch it up because they want to mm-hmm. keep us guessing and keep moving. So that was the beauty of it. It's, I mean, gangs, is a, it's a chess game, and that's yeah. what I loved about it is, I mean, as soon as I learned one thing, I had they switched it up and I had to learn something else and get out there on the streets and talk to people and yeah. develop CIs, confidential informants, and mm-hmm. get them to teach me, tell me stuff. And um, so it was always changing. It was always developing. Um I always tell them, you know, I teach at a local police academy also now, so I try to give a little bit of this knowledge I have in my head back. And I always tell um, my academy kids when I'm teaching gangs that, I mean, one, it's ever-changing, but it was one of those things where 
um, you know, I got to go to court and testify as an expert. Um, and I didn't deem myself an expert. My department didn't deem me an expert. It was the courts. So the Superior Court of California said, you are an expert because when right. I testified, they basically deemed me an expert. So it's pretty cool knowing that, you know, you also, I've also given expert testimony and I'm deemed an expert in certain things. So yeah. I think that's it. That is really interesting just because I know in my time in correction so far, I've learned a little bit about gangs. I know you're not as much as you, but it's crazy how people don't really think of like the culture that goes behind right. it and how it literally infects a community. Yeah. And we need people like you and, and the other people that continue to do it to this day to try to weed it out and keep them changing. Because if yeah. they were able to just grow, that would be really dangerous. Right. And the fact that they have to keep pivoting and adapting is slowing them down yep. a lot. We don't want them to get comfortable, that's for yeah. sure. So that is cool. So moving on to the main question that I want to ask you to start this, at least, is what do you do this for? And I know we've talked about this rec- actually very recently. Huh. And it's a question that has really been floating through my head just because I think it's an important question to ask. And the reason why I ask this question is because, as you know, as we talked about, we normally ask the why. Right, like what is your why? Why are you doing this? And then you typically get the cliche answer, which is nothing wrong with it. The cliche answer of I want to serve, right? right? Or I want to give back to the community. But when you ask what are you doing, people kind of get a little stumped and don't really understand. Right. So when I were to ask you, what are you doing this for? What does that mean to you? So to me, my what is kind of like what I talked about. It's, It's the need inside of me to like I said, protect a community that I grew up in. And mm-hmm. I know it kind of goes back to that cliche of, oh, serve and protect, serve and protect. Right. But for me, it's not the, the whole serving and protecting a part. It's it's just giving back. It's a way of saying mm-hmm. that this is a community I grew up in. I played Little League here. I went to school here. I raised my family here now. Um, so what can I do to make the community that I grew up in a little bit better? Mm-hmm. So my what is not just the serving and protecting, but it's going out and just making it better, making it a better place. So when my kids start having kids and if they raise their family here, then it's going to be even better for my grandkids and mm-hmm. just giving back and trying to, like I said, my what is just, it's making things better. And if it's eliminating some gangs or taking a kid and, mm-hmm. and who maybe might be going down that road to being a gang member and pivoting him and making him see that there's other things out there. Right. And maybe he, he joins the military. Maybe he goes to cooking school. Maybe he goes to, I don't know, be a mechanic or whatever. Make whatever it is. Himself, to, yeah. Yes, he goes and he does he makes something of himself and he becomes a contributing member of this community. And then he sees another kid doing the same thing and he turns a kid and yeah. we all just get back. And eventually mm-hmm. you, you live in a community where, you know, we're never going to make the world this great place. I don't have any... Yeah. you know ambitions of doing that because let's face it it's but if i can change one kid and he can change a kid and he can change a kid and we make our community a better place ripple to live, effect absolutely now we live in a community where everybody is once again giving back and they're trying to protect our community and make sure that where we live is protected and it's a good place and then hopefully obviously that can actually lead to changing the world sure. without you even realizing because right. if you can make a difference if it started with you and then another kid another kid and now the community becomes an example, right? Our right. community, our county becomes an example. And then other counties are going to be like, what are they doing right? Yep. And then hopefully, you know, the the hope is that they all start adapting to what we might be doing. Right. And it eventually changes. And here, obviously, in a, we're not going to get political, but here in the state that we're in, it, it's hard to fight against that, especially right. with all the policies and things that are coming out. It's really making people not trust the things that we do. Obviously, that's not the case around here yet. Right. But... In general, where we live right now, it's kind of heading that direction, which is scary. And yeah. I hope it doesn't actually turn out that way. Right. So I like 
what I what I've noticed and I like about you the most and why you set such a great example for me in this field is because when I ask this question, the what are you doing this for, I get more of the I will, the I must, the kind of obligation of actually doing the job rather than the I want to do this. Because the I want is always more of like there's a hidden reason behind it, whatever it might be, whether we've talked about it, power, money, which I don't know why people would get into the job for money because there's better better things you could do out there. Absolutely. But you always get that. I like I like hearing how people answer because I could see that there's a different reason behind it that they're not really they might not even be aware of, but it's there. Right. And then when you make it the more I will, the I must, the obligation, you know, as a peace officer, I must do this. Right. Then you get the difference between a good cop and a bad cop, right? And yeah. when I I'm just meaning in terms of performance as sure. a peace officer, and it goes back to the code of ethics, like we talked about. I was reading Absolutely. it recently because I have a copy of it. And you realize that the way everything is phrased, it's phrased as an obligation. Like you, like there's no if, there's no compromising the code of ethics that this is what it is and we have to follow it. Right. And as we've seen, as counties and states around the country become more woke yeah. and a little bit more left-sided, everything kind of leans more away from the actual code of ethics, which is funny because obviously the communities around the country are like, peace officers are doing this and that wrong, this and that, all of a sudden everyone's experts, of course, right? right? They're pointing the finger at what might be wrong or what might be right and pretty much just bringing all the negativity in. But what they don't realize is they're pushing everything away from the code ethics and at the same time, things are getting worse. Right. So to me, it's just kind of like, is it not obvious what's going wrong? You know, we're getting away from the root of what has built this community of law enforcement and what made it what it's supposed to be, what it was intended to be. Yeah. And now it's really not intended to be that. At least it's not heading that way anymore. Right. So that question was mainly intended to hopefully weed out the good and the bad cops from the beginning, right? right? In in terms of like, because the way we talked about it was like in my hiring process, they asked why, right? right? Which at the time I didn't think anything of it. You know, it's just, you know, why? I get it. That's my why. This is my why. This is what I'm doing this for. But I think that this question can help weed out the people who maybe weren't supposed to be here. So hopefully we can just get rid of that issue as a whole, because I think that issue of that underlying factor that they don't even realize is there will lead into bigger things later on, which we've also talked about. And we will get into a little bit here, you know, as you promote and as you grow, it infects the the department you might be in Absolutely. when you're doing it for yeah. the wrong reasons. hundred percent. Even if it's just one person, you know, it trickles on and you become the people you hang around, even if it is that one person. Yep. So weeding out the good and the bad cops. I want to know, since you are a, you did touch on it already, um, since you are an instructor for a local college Mm -hmm. and a lot of those guys end up in this community, is there anything you think you could do maybe even before the academy, like before they start, before they commit, hey, this is what it is and this is what we're not, right? Like how can we actually weed out the differences between bringing in the people that are going to do this for the right reasons and and for a long time than the people that are doing it for the wrong reasons? So, I mean, it goes back to, like I said, me being very involved in the community. Um, I go to a lot of local high schools. Um, to So our local high schools have law enforcement classes. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like an, a way for high school kids to see if they want to do law enforcement. And I speak at those classes. I go in there. I tell them, hey, this is exactly what we're about. This is what I do. Um, tell them all the good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, try to make them understand the same thing that, hey, look, this this is the community that we live in this is where I, this is why i do this um i don't once again i don't do it for the money because we talked about it you're not going to get rich doing this job mm-hmm. um you know what i mean it, 
there is some thrill to it. There is some excitement to it. So, you know, you that's part crazy. of it. Yeah, you got to be a little crazy, and that's yeah. part of it. But I I enjoy going into those classes and talking to those kids at the high school level. Um, I also am the coordinator for our cadet program. So we have a ex- cadet explorer program at mm-hmm. the department that I work for. So same thing. I get to bring young kids in. Um, let them see what we do from the inside and start grooming them and start mm-hmm. showing them that, hey, look, this is the proper way of doing police work and, and being in this field. So right. um, and start developing their their what developing their why at a young age um, or maybe them seeing that it's not for them because I've had people go through our program that said, whoa, you know what? I didn't realize this, that. I didn't. Yeah. yeah, this isn't for me. And maybe I need to go do something else. Yeah. And that's fine. And I write them a letter of recommendation. And here you go. Good luck. Anything else I can do for you, call me, let me know. I'm here for you. So I think that's the best way is, I mean, there's more programs than there were when I was growing up Mm -hmm. that kind of they're law enforcement based. So, I mean, it's always about education. You know, we got to get out there. We got to educate these kids. We got to let them know that we have these programs available to them. Um, And it's a deterrent. Instead of them running around, maybe joining a gang or hanging out with the wrong crowd, they're hanging out at the sheriff's department, going on ride-alongs, working, you know, seeing stuff from inside the jail, working in dispatch, Mm -hmm. doing special events, all that stuff. And now it's giving them something, one, to work towards and realize, yeah, I really like it. I have a career that I can work towards, but it's also keeping them out of trouble. Cool. So So I think, obviously, when people think of trying to find better ways to to improve law enforcement, we think of taking things out when actually we should probably be putting things in, right. especially inner community things. Sure. And I like that you said that, and that's a good way to weed out the people who probably shouldn't be there in you know the nicest terms. Yeah. But when it comes to actually bringing people in that should be there, people that would be really good at this job and actually probably really relate to the things that we do and wanting to do those things, but don't because of what we see online, which is a big reason why I started this, right. because I want people to hear your side of the story. I want Absolutely. people to, to see that there is positive things. Cause I mean, I'm on YouTube, I'm on social media, and everything I see left and right, because I follow cop stuff, I get cop stuff. Right. Unfortunately, 95% of the things I get are, are negative. It's right. a cop getting shot. It's a cop shooting someone. It's all these things that are so negative that no one wants to deal with and no one wants to be a part of, whether it's fear, whether it's just uh, you don't want to take on the responsibility. It's a lot of things that are just negative. They're causing people not to want to do this job anymore. And I don't know how it is directly. And I know there was an issue at one point getting guys on the team for a while. I don't know if it's still the same way, and I know it's been that way for many other departments, right. especially in my category where I'm in, in corrections, it's, sure. it's hard to get people in right. there. And I mean, I get why, but when it comes to the military, there was a, st- a statistic that came out recently that the average is normally about like 30 or 40,000 people that enroll into the military every year. But this year in 2023 so far, we had only hit the number like 15 to 17,000. Right. It's a lot lower. and when it comes to the obligation of wanting or I must do these things, there's a lot less of that going on. Why do you think that is? Well, I honestly, I think you just touched on it. Um, you mm-hmm. said you're on YouTube, you're on social media, you're online and so many, and I don't mean to say kids, but I mean, you know, your kids to me cause yeah. I'm older. Um, but so many young people are of course on social media are online and negativity sells. So, how many yeah. times do you see a you know a million hits on a positive story when it involves I mean really anything not just law enforcement yeah. but you it's know, not sexy right people right. want to see like that fancy absolutely. headline and absolutely they want to see the guy going into the McDonald's and arguing with the McDonald's worker and say what a crappy McDonald's worker that guy is just yeah. like they want to see somebody 
on, you know, yelling a cop yelling at a guy and, oh, he's violating my rights and everything. That sells. They don't want to see the McDonald's worker that makes a couple burgers and takes them out and gives them to the homeless guy in the back. That doesn't sell. They don't want to see a cop that's that pulls over and plays some basketball with kids in the community and gets to know them and gives them stickers. Or when it does happen, it's just the comments or the replies of the the response to it is so negative, of right? Course. We get, you get we negative get, responses. We get all those people that are like, oh, it's fake or right. that's, you know, scripted or whatever. Or it might why be. isn't that cop protecting my neighborhood? He's out here playing with kids. He should be, you know, finding crooks and taking them it's to jail. It's my taxpayer money. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just not sexy to, to see positive stuff. Yeah. So when you see all this negativity, then it's going to mm-hmm. deter you from wanting to go into that field. It's like, yeah. well, man, why would I want to be a cop if, you know, this is the way they act or this is the way people treat yeah. them and I can go do other stuff. And yeah. so it just, it, it's almost turned them against us. They're, it's it's hard to combat because, like it, I said, yeah. I go into these schools and it's really hard to combat the you know hours and hours of Instagram videos and YouTube videos mm-hmm. that, that you know these young kids are watching. Yeah. With me going in there and talking to them for an hour, you know, once a semester, it creates a belief system that they don't they don't actually Absolutely. believe in, right. but it's just because they see the majority. And no one wants to go against the grain. Right. Right. So they yeah. want to be cool with their friends. They yep. want to have the same conversations as them. And yeah. a lot of times it's also from people of large influence to them, like their parents. Sure. That they'll be watching the news and they're like, oh, well, F that copy yep. messed up, even though they don't really know what actually happened. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't show the good things that we did or explain the good things that we did because they're so caught up in the negative things. Again, the negative cells. Yep. Right. So it's hard to change that belief system when it's so instilled into them. Right. Even though they didn't create it themselves. They didn't have that choice. Well, they did, but they didn't choose to have that choice because that's how society well, works nowadays. And like you just touched on it again. I mean, I can go into their class and talk to them about everything I do and they can get excited about it and want to join my program and, oh, I want to be a cadet and, man, I can't wait to go to the academy and Sergeant Williams is going to be an instructor there. That's awesome and be super excited. And then, like you said, they get home and they tell mom and dad and they're like, you're not joining that program. You're not going to be around a bunch of cops. Those those cops are this or they're that. And it just destroys anything that I built or any positivity they have. And mm-hmm. now they're just like something they may really, really want to do, but or their friends tell them, oh, that's dumb. Why would you want to be a cop, man? There's no way. I, you know, cops are this, cops are that. So, Get away from those people. Right. They no matter wanna... what it is, no matter what it is, whether sure. it's being law enforcement or not, but if your friends are telling you that you shouldn't do something that you genuinely want to do or try it, that's already bad friend. Absolutely. It but, is, yeah. but it's yeah. hard when you're in high school or you're at a young age where yeah. you want to fit in, you want to be part of the group, you want to you know, fit that mold, and it's hard to go against the grain. And not, not a lot of people can do it, but the ones that do, thankfully, those are the ones that are going to make the best cops because they're always going to stand up for what's right. They're always going to stand up for themselves. They're going to abide by the code of ethics. Right. They're not going to let anybody yeah. else influence them negatively, even maybe some of their partners. So in today's world, though, where things are definitely shifting, especially in the major cities, especially here in California, right. how do you think cops given those code of ethics and given the things that even the good cops go through and they get there and they start and they want to change the community, what are they going to do when policies start to change completely against them? And they're now having to obey the complete opposite things that they were, they thought they were doing, you know, especially the way things are going. Cause obviously when you started 20 years ago, things were a lot more in your favor, I guess in a sense. Yeah. Right. But now when things are becoming so limited and publicity is so negative and the policies are going to have to start changing because departments got to make money. Yep. So they're going to have to start listening to that, to what the states are telling them to do. That's just how it's going to work eventually at one day. Do you think at any point this community will rebel against that? And maybe there will be some departments standing that won't stand for that. And how will those departments function without the, the government funding? Um, I, I think it's going to be 
kind of what it's been, like I said, over my career. There's going to be certain policies or certain things that you're going to dig your heels in and stand against, but other stuff you're just going to have to, you're going to have to roll with it. You're going to have right. to adapt. And that's what I've had to do. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, let's face it. When I first went to patrol, if I stopped somebody on a bicycle and they had even just the smallest amount of methamphetamines in their pocket, a little bit of, you know, dope in their pocket, they were going to jail. Mm-hmm. Now you could have, now you they know, let half out an ounce and you're getting yeah. a ticket. They let everyone out during COVID. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? So, you know, it's something that I, it's, I've had to kind of adapt yeah. to over my career. And it's like, okay, well now we, we find other ways. Um, but the, we never want to lose focus on the goal. We never, yeah. once again, we don't want to give up our code of ethics. And I mean, the goal is always going to be to make sure to try to make the community a better place. If we got to do that within the realm of any policies or any laws that these lawmakers make in this state, then that's what we have to do. And, um, you know, once again, it goes back to taking that stand and saying that, okay, you, this is what the way you want it. Fine. And we're going to make you toe that line. If they keep pushing that line back, then we just keep making them toe the line. We can't ever have the line be behind us and say, you know, this is the law, but we're going to over, overstep the law because that's when we become no better than the people that we're trying to defend right. the community against. And I think in this community specifically, and there's still a bunch in the in the country that do this, but in this community specifically, I think there will be a lot of backlash against the other side. Sure. I think when it becomes to the point where most people around here are maybe not super supportive of law enforcement, but they respect it and they understand it and they're logical and they understand right. like, hey, that doesn't make sense. Right. You know, that's making it incredibly difficult for them to right. do their job and completely unsafe whatever it might whatever the policy might be and i think there's a lot of people that are going to be like uh eh, no let's let's not do that sure. and would back our department Absolutely. for a long time yeah. and that that's good to see around here yep. so moving on we kind of touched on this when it comes to moving in throughout the department um what makes the difference between kind of from your perspective since you are a sergeant mm-hmm. and you've been there for 20 years you've seen people go up and leave and what in and out whatever yep. it might be what do you think takes people from that step of wanting to to push forward because i'm a big believer of like i guess the i guess the difference between someone becoming a sergeant because they they feel the obligation to right because they could impact the department in a larger way versus the people who become sergeants because it's a thousand dollar raise or whatever sure. it might be right what do you think the difference is there and how can we spot those people so once again i mean you're you know who your go-getters are you know yeah. who the people are that are there for the right reasons that are out there um that you know, the time they come off of training, they're they're responding to their calls, they're taking reports, they're writing their reports to the best of their abilities. They're not ducking calls and being mm-hmm. lazy. So you know who those guys are. Um, and you know the old saying, "Cream always rises to the top." You know, so those guys are always going to rise to the top. Doesn't matter how long they've been in the business, and you're going to know the guys, and you know the guys that are going to be lazy, that are just kind of showing up because it's a job, and you know something that they can make some money at and maybe take care of their family and then when the opportunity arises to make more money whether it's promote to detective promote to sergeant whatever they're just going after it to okay well i make more money doing that i'm gonna do that and just try for it um i I think for me i see it like i said because i've just been in in so many different mentoring um, positions over my career like i said not only from the police academy but like i said as an fto and just always kind of being around the department that it's easy to spot those guys it it really is and so when you do spot those guys obviously you want to take those guys under your wing and and -hmm. teach them and and guide them through their careers make them see that okay hey these are all the cool things that i've done so if you want to be a go-getter and you want to rise to this department then hey i'm going to help you get there 
So it's just it's just about like I said, finding those guys, the ones that you know they're truly in this for the right reasons, mm-hmm. and guiding them and helping them grow, just like many people and sergeants did for me, you know, along my way, along my path. Okay. I see it a lot in our jail specifically. You know, the people kind of taking certain spots or doing certain things because because of the money, sure. and I think it does have a negative effect on how the community in there specifically works right recently i went to a firearms you know kind of course mm-hmm. and i did those things and the firearm instructors you know those guys were good but i like the the memes that i see all the time of like the fire instructors only becoming fire instructors because the extra money right and it's kind of funny because they kind of like hate doing it all sure. the times and i think that kind of co and i always i don't know why i see it in the firearms instructor specifically memes but i think that goes anywhere in the department right, right. and we don't want to follow those people we don't want to follow those people because they're typically not leading by example right they're just leaning by what they're what they think they need to be doing or what they've seen as an just example somewhere else right yeah exactly just trying to check a box and yep. i think we we understand that right but we unfortunately still have to follow certain things that they they say even if we don't necessarily agree with them all the time right and one thing you brought up to me we're going to kind of move on from mm-hmm. that uh is the warrior versus the guardian yep right and trying to instill that into the new people coming up yep i think one thing that's hard to understand though is how much of what do you need or do we need to be transitioning to one specifically because i do think we need both yeah but how much is the proper amount of going out there and being that warrior versus being that guardian and that's really for the last i would say probably three to five years being at the academy um that we've battled Mm -hmm. um because there is there is a division now um there's a lot of people who say that we need to be more guardians and less warriors on the streets or even in, in law enforcement in general, whether it's in corrections and wherever. But as far as law enforcement, and there's people who are like, no, 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 you have to be a warrior. And, you know, we can't worry about being a guardian. Um, I, I think just like in anything in life, there's got to be a balance. I mm-hmm. think in order to be a proper warrior, because I do think that we need to be we need to have warriors on the streets. We need to have people who are willing to go out there and defend us against all the evil that is out there Mm -hmm. and only a warrior can do that um but also inside of you you can't lose focus on what you're defending and it can't just be i'm going to be a warrior and go out and and fight evil at all costs and that's what warriors do they don't care about casualties they don't care about who and gets hurt whether it's good or bad they just go out and they toe the line and make everyone toe the line at all costs Mm -hmm. guardians are the ones that want to basically protect and guard over us, but they also understand that there are rules to the game, I guess, that they want to make sure that they're guarding against evil, but also not hurting the innocent. So there has to be a balance. In order to be a really good warrior, you got to have some guardian in you. In order to be a guardian, you got to have some warrior. You got to know that when evil shows shows up at the doorstep, that's when the warrior has to come out of the guardian. Right. And when there's innocent people or there's people on the streets that need defending, that's when the guardian has to come out of the warrior. So I think that it's just a balancing act and it's tough. It's not mm-hmm. easy because like I said, a lot of guys get into this business and they're that's that's their mentality. They're warrior mentalities and they're gonna go out on the streets and they don't care who they who gets in the way, they don't care who they have to take down, they're they're gonna make sure that whatever evil's out there they're going to defend against and then we get these guardians that come in here and say no 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 i've seen too many youtube videos and too many memes and too many you know instagram snaps and everything else of bad cops and i'm never going to be that way those guys are just you know like they are what they are they're just a bunch of mercenary warriors and i'm not going to be that way and and then there's 
a little bit softer and that's are the cops that unfortunately sometimes we see get hurt or the funerals we go to because they just didn't have enough warrior in them so it's a balancing act it's it's something that hopefully someone listening to this is going to go that maybe wants to get in the business is going to take to heart and they're going to understand that that they have to be both um that the cops that they see that they think are bad cops in these videos that maybe have too much warrior in them they don't go down that road but they also see the other videos of maybe cops getting hurt and getting shot and someone breaks down the officer safety stuff of it and they don't want to be that cop and they take a little bit of each and and they become both and become the cop that we cops that we need on the streets is there any way do you think that could be taught like how can we instill that to where you find the perfect balance for yourself. Is there anything you think has oh, it, worked so far? It can definitely be taught because I've seen both. I've seen people that have come into this job and they had a little too much Gordian in them and we had to toughen them up and they've gotten tougher and they've, they have now raised that warrior game, but they've never lost the, the guardian part of it. And I've seen guys that are just way too much on the other side of warrior. And we've had to, to back them off a little bit. Um, you never want to pull that drive of the warrior. You want them to still have that drive and that, that full force ahead. But you also want them to understand that while they're full force, there's there's other people there right. that they may be running over and we need to pay those are the people that we're you know, we're protecting and it can't be at all costs. So it is a balancing act. It is it is one of those things where and that's where mentoring comes in. That's where like I said, it starts going into those high school classes and explaining to them, bringing them into the academy and talking to them in the academy and, and really, really coaching them up in the academy, having good, strong FTOs, having good, strong sergeants in your department that aren't just, like we just talked about, aren't doing it just for the money, that right. are there because they want the department to be better. They want the community to be better. They want their shift to be better. And if you focus on those three things, community, your department, and your people, those are the good, strong sergeants that are going to build a better department and make it everything better going forward. And that's what I strive to do is when I leave, I want the people that I've taken care of and I mentored on my shift to be the next generation of my department. Mm -hmm. So they focus on those three, those three aspects. You understand that the foundation is more important than the actual building, right? You're more, you're more focused on building a foundation that's meant to the hold to hold up the empire state building versus just building a foundation for a house and expecting that same empire state building to sit on that foundation. It's obviously never going to work, sure. and which is why I think a lot of people creating these policies in other cities are failing right. because they're focusing more on just the, the building rather than the structure, the yep. interior, the, the foundation, the core that actually makes a community better. That's it. So going from that warrior and guardian mentality, though, I know we've talked about this before, too, and changing the image of law enforcement for community to hopefully impact it more in a positive way and i brought up the idea of making maybe military or law enforcement a little more militaristic yep. although it is already heading that way in yep. terms of how we look the yep. image that we present ourselves what do you think is more important in the long term being that friendly neighborhood cop or leaning more toward that enforcer in that more military kind of way well and obviously right now the big word catchphrase that we do in law enforcement is transparency mm-hmm. and i'm all for that um once again, it's getting out in the community, talking to kids, talking to groups, finding out like if there's a group of people in the community that's displeased with us, why are they displeased? What happened? Was it just one bad encounter? Has it been several bad encounters? And how can we change that? So for me, I, I don't think that we need to go to get too militant because that's when we start pushing more towards the warrior side of things. Right. Um, 
I think that if we're going to, if people are upset and they don't like the way law enforcement is right now, we need to get out there and educate them. Um, Mm -hmm. We do like a citizen's academy at our department. And I know I've same thing. I've taught at that. And I, there's been so much good feedback from it because people come in and they say, I have no, I I had no idea all the things that you guys do here at the sheriff's department and everything you have to go through. Thank you so much for, for putting this on and opening our eyes. Um, So those but those people are the ones that volunteer for it. We need to go out and find these groups that are making all these videos and have all these negative things to say about cops. And those are the ones we need to encourage to come and educate and let them see and find that balance. And we also need to, to maybe understand what they're going through. Okay. You had a bad experience with the cop. Was it just one cop? Was it several? Why was the experience bad? And then we need to come back and then we need to teach these cops, these young deputies, and have them understand that hey the service you provided because that's what we do is we provide a service mm-hmm. wasn't the best service you could have provided and this is why these this group of people are upset and make them understand why they're upset and build that balance of making sure the job gets done but also providing a service to where people understand that it can kind of coexist i mean you're never going to please everyone right. but at least if they say hey look i don't like the, what that cop told me or i don't like what that cop the cop did they arrested my mom, they arrested my dad, my son, whatever. But you know what? They were super professional about it. They were super nice about it. They explained everything. Didn't agree with them, but I get it. They have laws that they have to follow. And under the law, my son broke the law. And now we'll go out and we'll get a lawyer and we'll do everything we have to do for him and Mm -hmm. help defend him. And at least if we can get to that and where people understand what we're doing and we take the time to explain it to them, once again, we're gonna make the community a little bit better of a place. So we don't have to get over militant and say, this is the law, this is why we're doing it. And if you don't like it too bad, we're we're the cops. Cause that's right. kind of the military standpoint of things. It's, that's the By enemy. Any means necessary. Right, exactly, yeah. that's the enemy. Go go kill the enemy, go take care of the, go take out the enemy. And we don't have to explain ourselves to anybody. That was the enemy and this is what we did. It doesn't matter if we went in and we took out a village and in the meantime, we took out some innocent people. Military's never gonna explain themselves about that. They're gonna say, we were fighting an enemy, there was an enemy in that village and yeah, there were some acceptable casualties. That shouldn't be law enforcement. We we should never have acceptable losses, acceptable casualties. So I'm more kind of getting away from the militant side of things and just being transparent and just, the old days of you know hiding everything hiding behind that wall that cloak of well this is what we do and we can't talk to you about it because it compromises you know or what we do in the department we don't want people to know those days are long gone yeah being transparent getting out there i mean the body cam footage all that stuff that you see on on the internet mm-hmm. it's good it just needs someone to more educate people as to what they're watching and why things went down yeah because they don't understand right right they just see some a group of cops beating up a dude well yeah you you get a cell you get a 30 second cell phone clip of a bunch of cops beating a guy and then of course everybody wants to jump on there and say oh these cops need to go to jail and how dare they beat that guy they don't show what happened 30 minutes before yeah what what got to that point so that's what we need to start getting to is i get it like i said the 30 minutes before isn't sexy that doesn't sell so no one wants to see that so they edit that out the 30 seconds of these cops beating this guy that's what sells and then everybody wants to jump on the internet and they want to leave you know thousands of comments and you get millions of views on that 30 seconds yeah but we don't educate the people on the 30 minutes before yeah obviously there has been times where those 30 second clips are bad sure like we 100%. made they're horrible mistakes Absolutely. and it puts a bad image on the rest of the good things and that's why people yeah. automatically assume that the other 30 second clips are also that bad thing right 
And I think we all know one major one that happened not too long ago that have really affected the law enforcement 100%. community in, in a major way. And it yep. was, it sucks. That was probably bad and that shouldn't have been done. Sure. It was just lack of awareness. And I think that those are things that they can definitely improve on, but most of the time it's, that's not the case. And in those situations where you have a bad apple that goes out and does something bad, mm-hmm. that's when we in the community, we got to own it. We have to say, Hey, yeah, this was a bad situation and this should have never happened. And, but that was one individual. It's no different. And we kind of keep, I kind of keep bringing it up, going to McDonald's and yeah. getting your burger made wrong. Not all McDonald's are bad. It was just one bad experience at that McDonald's and that McDonald's hopefully remade your burger and right. made your experience a little bit better and they owned it. So that's why I, I like that you bring that up, but I also think that it, the way people, other people view that is, yeah, that was that one mistake. We're human. I get that. We're people. We make right. mistakes, but they don't see it that way. Sure. They see it as we're expected to have this training and we're not supposed to make any mistakes ever. Right. And that's why I brought up the idea of switching to more of like, I I know I went a little extreme when we talked about it before and I said, just wipe out law enforcement, you know, the cops, all the counties and all whatever, whoever defends that, uh, that area and just bring in the military and people won't have an issue. Right. What, although I don't actually believe that. Right. But I thought that that was a good argument against it because people expect the military to, to act a certain way in the sense of they're going to accomplish the goal by enemy necessary. And I think if the military, if we were going to have a Marine come out here in that same situation and do that same thing, people would be more accepting, I guess, of that. And obviously I probably still get some backlash, but at the end of the day, you're dealing with a different type of government right now. You know, law enforcement is more of a a local government. It's more of like what it's ran by versus although although there still is that government funding and all that, whatever it might be in the policies we follow. But when you're dealing with the military, you're dealing with, you know, Congress, you're dealing with the actual big branches and people, yeah, they could fight against it, but in, in reality, they don't really have much power against that. If it were to actually be the military coming in here and running it, because right. we see it in other countries, it's called communism. Exactly. That's why that's I don't, you know, that's why, yeah. yeah, that's why I don't agree with it. Right. But at the end of the day, the community isn't really fighting back. So at one point, at what point are people going to be like, Hey, we need to lean more toward this rather than the other option. But at the same time, when are they going to be able to see that we can't actually do that? Right. And I guess what I'm actually trying to say there is how we need to still be able to enforce the law in an authoritative way, sure. but also have that mix of we're not the military, right? right? Like we're not going to do this by any means. Like we're not that bad people. Sure. And when are people going to understand that we can't be that people, right? Like we right. can't be the military, like, enforce the law by any means necessary and also be perfect right in everything that we do and and once again that's where it goes back to transparency yeah um that's where it goes back to us you know when things happen falling on the sword hey we made a mistake and i don't want to compare you know getting a your burger messed up at mcdonald's to yeah so the mistakes that have been made in law enforcement i get it they're it's a bigger scale and when those things happen with us it's on a bigger scale and it's it's a big deal but mistakes are going to be made mm-hmm. um as long as we're learning from those mistakes we're not panicking about it and i think that's what's kind of some th- certain things have happened where all of a sudden there's public outrage so now the lawmakers panic and they take away certain things from us certain techniques whatever um and then it it pushes us back even further i think we need to stop panicking when in those situations we need to make sh- take a look at trainings mm-hmm. like you mentioned yeah. um are we do we need more training in certain aspects are we under trained or maybe we're over training and and that's why this is happening don't know 
Um, but as long as we stop panicking and just stop making these immediate law changes or these immediate, you know, hot button issues, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that. And then we, we're transparent and we educate the public. I don't think we ever have to get to a military society where we just, this is the military, we do what we do and live right. with it. You know, I mean, where we have people under our thumbs because the military just comes out here and has you under the thumb, like in communist countries. Um, yeah. And we just basically kind of keep pushing down the road that we're going. We just, we just need to slow down on certain things. And like I said, I think I just discussed it about, we just yeah. need to quit panicking every time something bad happens and changing laws just because of that. Yeah. Um, if we educate people, we train we get be a little more transparent. We take a hard look at everything that we're doing and make sure that the public understands that that was just one mistake. And although it was a bad one, um, yeah. it was a rogue person. It wasn't yeah. law enforcement as a whole. When those mistakes happen though, it's normally because of the exact same thing every time. And what that is, is breaking the system that we were supposed to be following, right? The training right. that we do have while, although really low, we probably need more and it's hard to get more training when, there's not enough money going around right but it's when the system's broken right we're taught systems for most situations and in case scenarios um the escalation of force whatever it might be sure and when those things are when those systems are broken and it's automatically taken into what they weren't trained to do that's when we see these bad things happen absolutely you know when they made a mistake they shouldn't have maybe grabbing the taser then your gun whatever it might be making a horrible mistake like that it's because they didn't follow the systems that they were supposed to follow from the beginning right and obviously that's how most things function the best any business any relationship any anything a school whatever it might be functions on the best systems right Right. we fall to our systems not necessarily the training it's the systems that we learn and that's when we see those mistakes happening right where do you think the tide turned when it came to obviously again going back to when you started law enforcement where did you see the the tide start to turn from yay we love law enforcement to wow you guys really suck Ah, i think we we talked about it um it's the internet it's social media it's um you know that 2000s era kind of uh, well i mean honestly the tens i mean you really started seeing all the smartphones i mean smartphones kind of came on scene about 2006 2007 but it really took off right around nine or ten and that's when you started you know the accessibility to jump on the internet and see a 30 second clip of a bunch of cops doing something bad you know what i mean it that's when things started shifting of wow i can't believe this is happening i can't believe this is happening and you see that all the time like you said you can go on your on your phone and watch videos all day long of it right so i think for me it was the the internet um it was all the videos i mean people had cell phone cameras and they were you know videoing us doing stuff and then posting Mm -hmm. it online and getting all these hits and making money off of it and that's what they wanted to do and that's what really turned everything so obviously there's a time before sure the iphone or the phone in general the cell phone obviously since law enforcement was created i think it was probably disliked by many because there's also always going to be criminals out there right and criminals are going to hate the law enforcement 100%. because they're the ones that stop them doing criminal stuff yep so but at that point when you first started it was more of just a dislike the criminals disliked well, you right the thing is is when i first started if you had a bad interaction with law enforcement even if you weren't a criminal if you just had a bad interaction right, if you right. got pulled over that cop was rude to you he maybe was called you a racist name or whatever you could go and you could tell your friends and your family and you could tell people around you and maybe it spread to a couple hundred people Mm -hmm. 
now if you have a bad experience with a cop that's rude to you that's dislikes you and you record that now you're spreading it to millions of people so your bad experience spreads to millions of people and they see that and they maybe of the millions of people maybe hundreds of thousands like oh yeah i've had the same type of bad experience and they associate with that bad experience and then they start recording theirs and it just now it's just blown up so there was always like a dislike for law enforcement because of the couple hundred people that you talked to or that maybe your experience spread to. But now there is that hatred has grown because like I said, millions of people are seeing it constantly day after day after day on their YouTube feeds or whatever. So it's, it's gone from, yeah, my, my, my son got pulled over. My friend got pulled over and this cop was so rude and man, I, I hate that. And every time we drive through this neighborhood, we get pulled over or whatever to, like I said, a handful a couple hundred people seeing it to now millions see it mm-hmm. you know you know every time you get you drive down the road in a certain neighborhood or a certain area you're getting pulled over you're going to start recording it and then you're going to start posting it oh this is the same cop that pulls me over every time and look how rudy's being and you're blasting all over the internet so that's that's where it changed everything changed yeah. in a major way yeah too. it came in waves a huge yeah. wave right absolutely and it, it changed a generation because those generation of kids that are now getting phones at, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. When I first started, 10 year olds didn't have cell phones. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now all these kids, they get these phones young and they're watching all these videos by the time they become they don't understand. 17, 18, yeah. 19 years old and maybe could be getting into this business. They hate it. They don't want to have anything to do with it. Their friends, we, like we talked about, don't want to have anything to do with this. So of course, they're not going to get into it. Mm-hmm. So it's already creates a wave by the time I get to them in high school or whatever that there's a hatred there and the small few that kind of weed through or that take the videos for what they are, you know, those are the ones that I get, but it's like you just said, I mean, 30,000 people were joining the military. Now we have 15,000. Why? What, what changed that? It's the internet, social media. Do you think it's even still worth it to join the military or join law enforcement? Yeah. To law enforcement. Do I think it's still worth it? Um, I do. I, I still believe in this, in our system. I still believe in in law enforcement as a whole. Um, I, I still put on my uniform and my badge every day and go to work and with the hopes of, once again, finding that one kid out there, that one individual out there that really wants to do this job and making them as excited about doing it as I was, and I still am. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a system we have, so I can't totally give up on it. I mean, if I give up, and then what? Then that's when things really regress and breaks down, and then we have no protection. So that was great. I loved it. I loved the whole thing. I want to finish it off with one thing. Okay. Any advice that you would give to anyone maybe contemplating? Uh, I want three different levels of advice. Okay. One, contemplating joining the force. Yep. Two, going to the process or early stages of the force so meaning like the academy or your first year and then maybe to the level of what you know now those 20 years of experienced cops that maybe are just barely hanging on and aren't happy where they're at how can they be like you so if you're contemplating getting in this business um like anything do your research uh, find an explorer or cadet program locally. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go on ride-alongs for free. Don't don't just watch a bunch of internet videos and think all cops are bad. Go out and ride with the cops in your community. Go by the local police departments or sheriff's departments and yeah. just ask, hey, do you guys have an explorer program? Can I do a ride-along? So educate yourself. 
Um, if there's law enforcement classes offered at your school and you've never been interested in it, take one, see what it's about. Just educate yourself um, and talk to people, talk to different cops, the different, you know, that just started. So there are different areas in their career. So talk to the one to two year cop, talk to the five to seven year cop and talk to the 20 plus year cop and find out everything you can. Why are they in the business? How they get in the business? Find out what their what is mm-hmm. um, and, and just educate yourself. Um, it's like buying it, something on Amazon, right? People like to go straight for yeah. the negative reviews and be right. like, oh, I'm not getting this because sure. of negative reviews when they should be probably doing their diligence, more Absolutely. research instead of automatically making that decision yes. off of a few million views yep. of a silly video. Right, exactly. So yeah. just do your do your research, uh, educate yourself. Um, to the guy that's in the academy that's getting in this business, um, you know, if, if you are actually getting in this business, make sure it's for the right reasons. Make mm-hmm. sure it's for the reasons that we talked about that that need to protect, that need to serve, the desire to make the community a better place, that it's not just, oh, I can get into this job and make some money and I get to drive real fast and carry a gun and that looks cool. Yeah. The excitement of the job is great. It is, it's exciting, you get to do cool stuff, but it should be more than that. So, and like I said, these are things I tell my academy kids. Um, hey, like, yeah, it's fun to drive real fast. It's fun to to you know chase bad guys and do all that high speed stuff but at the end of the day there's a community out there that's looking to you and that you're going i mean they're calling you on their worst days um and you need to be there for them on their worst day and and help them and help them get through that worst day so if you can't do that if you can't if that's not what your heart is and that's not where it's at then that's okay this isn't Mm -hmm. for everybody um, but if that's where your heart is and that's what you want to do, then always do it to the best of your abilities at the top of your game. The best thing, the best you can do. Um, I think that's good for people to understand because we are going or ex- experiencing people's worst days, yes. even in the jail when people are coming in, yeah. no one wants to be there. Of course not. And, and we have to deal with that. Yeah. And I think it affects a lot of them. But when you take the perspective of, okay, how can I make this better? Right. I get this is this person's worst day, yep. right? One, it makes my deal feel a little bit better, not in like a, like, ah, sucker, you're in jail and I'm right. not, you know, it's more of like a, things could be definitely worse, sure. right? And it makes me want to help them more That's because it. you know it could be worse. And even the people on the streets, it's, I've experienced this firsthand. I've seen deputies and EMTs and firefighters come into a, a situation where I was like, wow, this is really the worst day of my life to sure. this moment, yeah. right? And they're there they probably dealt with the same thing maybe once or twice already that day. Yeah. Or, you know, at least in the sense of five to 10 other people's worst days, yep. whether that's a ticket, whether that's their son overdosing, which is happening a lot. Yes, it is. Whether it's their cat stuck on a tree. No, I mean, that's a firefighter. Yeah. And whether it's a, whatever it might be, right, yeah. that we show up to do. And that's why I think it's so taxing mentally because we're dealing with all these negative issues. Absolutely. But I think when you change the perspective of you get to help people, with those negative issues and turn it into a positive thing yep. and that things can always be worse. Yeah. You want to help those people even right. more. And it goes back to kind of what I talked about is they may not be satisfied with the outcome of the service you provide, mm-hmm. but if but you did, but you, you gotta, if you, you do it you to the best of your abilities yeah. and if nothing else, you can explain to them, this is why it happened. And they say, you know what? He was professional about it. He, 
he was nice about it. Like he explained everything to me. I didn't mm-hmm. like the outcome. Yeah, I had to go to jail. And this, you know, once again, now we turn them over to you and they're having their worst day. I've had people come to me and say, you know what? You arrested me, but you were always nice about it. You were, you know, you were super respectful. You let me say goodbye to my, my wife. You didn't do it in front of my kids or you took, you know, my property to my mom's house. Whatever it is right. that I could do to make things a little bit easier on them. It was their worst day, but they've come back and said, hey, you know what, Williams, you were always at least cool about it, and I respect that. Yeah. Um, like I said, I dealt with gang members mm-hmm. that, you know, they go out on the streets and they do what they do. I mean, certain I've dealt with guys that have killed people, that have shot at people, and they've always, when they see me, they're respectful. Hey, what's up, Williams? They shake my hand. We're not friends, but there's a respect factor. And right. I always try to at least, hey, look, yeah, you know you got to go to jail. You know this is part of the game, but – Hey, go give your your girl a hug. Go give mom a hug. Whatever you got to do. Mm-hmm. Hey, your kids are here. Come on, let's go outside. Let's deal with this outside, not in front of your kids. Give your kids a quick hug. Let's go outside. We'll put the cuffs right. on outside, away from them. And I so just a respect yeah, factor. I've seen that respect with you too. So, and what I mean by that is, obviously, we work for the same department. Sure. I'm just on the correction side. Right. And when you come through that uh, the corrections facility, I see these guys. You know, like right. almost excited to see right. you. And I'm yes. like okay you know like yeah. whatever is he probably put you here i don't right. know it's at one point you might have you might yeah. have right and these guys will like they'll talk to me later they're like oh i didn't see sergeant williams there you know like yeah i like that guy he's so right. cool and i'm like okay you know that's yeah. so interesting to me and it's the once way again you if work. you can make that worst day just a mm-hmm. little bit better for him then that's all we're doing and right. maybe maybe they they just they're still in jail or they're they did what they did i don't want to call them criminals i mean they're they committed a crime yeah. Um, but at least maybe they're not going to have those, that animosity towards us to say that all cops are bad. You know what? When I got arrested, Williams arrested me, but he was at least cool about it. You know, I screwed up. I did what I did, but he was he was respectful. He was cool. Mm-hmm. He did this for me. He did that. He didn't have to do that, but he did it. Yeah. One he thing was, that has always helped me and that I want to know if you agree with this and hopefully it could help someone else. Um, one perspective thing that has changed me is when I've worked in corrections really early on while I was still training, right? right. One of the guys looked at me and was like, like, Hey, I'm just like you, right? Right. If you just treat us with respect, you know, he was trying to give me his advice. Of course. You know, we're going to respect you as well. And, you know, I kind of was like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever, right. dude. Like, I'm just going to do my job. But then it really stuck with me later on. I was like, I really am just yeah. like him. Right. We're just people. Yep. And all I mean by that is if I was in the that exact same situation as him, like granted, he's a grown man, probably could have made his own decisions. Sure. Right. But it didn't work out that way. So if I were to put myself in his exact shoes, grow up, grow up the exact same way he did right. with the exact same people, with the exact same decisions, I would have made the same exact mistakes. Right. So knowing that I could have been in that situation as well, right. given the circumstances, it makes me understand like, Hey, it's not your fault from right. a really deep, low level. It's not your fault. And you just, it's one of those things where like you just said, he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. So he's paying for that mistake and he's atoning for that mistake yeah. under the law. And when he hits the street again, mm-hmm. hopefully he doesn't make the same mistakes. And like I said, hopefully a lot of it is environmental too. They go course. back. They go back to the sure. exact same things, and, and it's it hard sucks. to. Yes, yeah. it's hard to overcome an environment. It's hard to overcome, you know, socioeconomic status. I get mm-hmm. that. Um, it it can happen. It does happen. I've seen it happen. But it is. Right. It's tough. Um, but once again, it's it goes back to how we treat them. And if yeah. we just show them a little bit of respect, then if, if nothing else. You know what I mean? When they get out, they can say, you know what? Yeah, I went to jail. I've been in jail, in and out of jail. But these cops around here are cool. They're they're respectful. They understand it. And maybe it just takes away from that hatred a little bit. The YouTube videos that they watch, they're like, eh, yeah, that happens in other states. But, you know, where I live, the cops are pretty cool. They're pretty respectful. They always do this for me or do that for me, and they don't have to. In today's day and age, we're, let's be honest, most people – 
that are in that position, those quote unquote criminals, don't really care about your life. Right. Once you put that badge on. So treating them that way, even though they really don't care about you at first, right, might save your life later. That's it. Yeah. It really might. Yeah. You may be in a bad situation where some up and comer is trying to make a name for himself and it's two o'clock in the morning on a dark street and here comes that OG that you're always respectful to and he's got your back when you need it and you're in a bad situation and there's just, yeah, it can happen. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think the third part of your question, not trying to get off track, but the third part good, of your yeah. question was um, that 20 year cop, how do like they stay focused? How do they stay in the business? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it goes back to the thing that I kind of mentioned that I'm most proud of in my career, um, which is the peer support program that I started. And it's just understanding when things are getting tough, that they're building up. Um, With peer support, we kind of always talk about like an emotional cup. Everybody has one. And your emotional cup gets filled with home life. It gets filled with kids and the wife or the significant other. And everything builds up that emotional cup. And when that cup starts to get full, there's nothing else for it to do but overflow. So don't let your cup overflow. Don't let this job throw a bunch of stuff into your emotional cup to where it's overflowing and just seek out help. Talk to someone. It doesn't make you weak to go and say, hey, that last call really affected me. Um, We see, I always tell my academy cadets, we see and go to a lot of bad stuff. It's it's horrible, the the evil that we see on the streets. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just getting worse. So you have to be able to to understand and talk about it and it doesn't make you weak if if you go and you see a a kid who just got shot you know what i mean and that doesn't affect you that's a problem like it should affect you it's not (laughs) natural to see a a 10 year old get shot if you go to you know see some lady get beat up and you know she just got beat up by her husband that should affect you like if you're saying it's not your one either super psychotic or right. two yeah you're lying you're, yeah. and then you're digging it deeper and inside. all you're doing is just adding to that emotional cup and eventually it's going to overflow i mean your cup might be bigger than other people's but it's going to eventually it's going to overflow and it when it overflows i've seen it to where it goes bad to where i mean it could end your career it could end your marriage and i in you know in certain situations that are horrible it could end their life they end up taking their life and yeah. we don't ever want that to happen so if you have a peer support team at your department, use it. It's obviously 100% confidential. None of it can be told to any higher ups. They're not going to take away your badge. They're not going to take away your gun. They're not going to, mm-hmm. you know, put you lock you up in some sort of mental hospital or something like that just because you're having a hard time with a call. Um, so use it. If you're at a department that doesn't have one, figure out what you got to do to start one. Like I said, our department didn't always have it. I was a. 17 year cop before we started our peer support program so i mean we started ours we got the training in 2019 so ours is only four years old um and it's been growing and it's getting better it's and, great yeah it's awesome i've so, already i mean unfortunately i don't want to like say already but unfortunately i've already had to experience that right and then it was like in a matter of within the hour yes people were there yep people woke up from the middle of the night 100 to be there and yep. i was like wow that's you know, that's pretty and that's crazy. what's going to get people through this career because, mm-hmm. like I said, I've unfortunately have experienced a lot of hard calls in my career mm-hmm. um, and didn't have peer support at the time and just kind of had to deal with it on my own. And thankfully, it didn't overtake me and burn me out and make me have to do something else. But I've had partners that have that have gone to calls before we had peer support and yeah. the calls just were too much for them and it affected them and they had to get out of the business. And thankfully, like I said, nothing worse happened. It was just them. Yeah getting out of business but for them that's 
that was traumatic as it was. I mean, it was not being in this business anymore was hard for them too. So that's where the the human aspect of it comes out, right? And one thing that's always been astonishing to me that you guys do that a lot of people, most people, I would say almost 99.9% of the public doesn't understand is when they have those bad experiences with cops, those, those tickets where the cop might've been a little too rude and it's most likely not their fault. Sometimes it could be that built up cup that's just getting ready to overflow. Right. That might have taken a really long time, like you said, and it's it's just almost there. Sure. A lot of times you got to understand that these guys might have just seen something Absolutely. really bad. Yeah. They go from they go from seeing a dead kid yep. in a car accident or a shooting, you know, a right. little kid, yeah, to having to go to a school right. and maybe read a book to these kids at a school, sure. or maybe go from another bad event to maybe, unfortunately, you're just the next person that was speeding, yeah, and you got stopped and. Well, that, and they, you know, we just talked about it. They just yeah. saw somebody's worst day, and now they're dealing with you, and you think just because you got a ticket, now it's your worst day. Well, the worst day that they just dealt with was, someone like dying. you said, someone dying. A la- maybe a lady that just lost her husband to 50 years, and they had to do the, the coroner's case under her. Like you said, they just saw a traumatic car accident. You don't know. And no matter and, how good your training might be, right. emotion like that is yeah. super hard to, Absolutely. to deal with, especially when you have – when you relate to certain calls, because yep. there's so many calls that happen. When you see those 13-year-old kids get shot, yeah, you have a 13-year-old. Right. When you see those 20, 21-year-olds, you know, die because they were getting jumped into a gang or when right. they had to do whatever they had to right. do, you have a 20, 21-year-old, right. and it's hard for you to understand that and that you're not the only person. Right. There's like you said, we're human other, too. Yeah. We're we're human, and we see and people expect us. Well, that's that's what you signed up for. That's what you signed up for. Well. To a certain extent, and yes, but, to see but, people die, right? You know, exactly. Not it's what it, it's still yeah. going to affect us. It's still going to affect us emotionally. Well, just because you put on a badge doesn't mean you lose all your your emotions. Doesn't mean that you lose that human kindness. Like it should be more. And yeah. when you see it day in day out, and then all of a sudden now I pull you over, and you know you feel like I'm a little chippy, I'm a little, or you're upset because I pulled you over, and then you're giving me attitude, and then I just give you even more attitude and now we're having this confrontation and then you drive away and you're like man that cop was so rude and i can't believe him and man and now you want to go tell all your friends or you want to blast it all over youtube about how bad cops are well hey hold on let's back up a little bit why was that cop rude you're upset that you got a ticket but he's upset like we said that you're speeding but 10 minutes ago he just left a traffic accident where a kid was racing down the road driving too fast and now we got killed and now he sees yeah. you speeding and it's like he's trying to prevent that and you're just upset and you want to unload on him so he unloads even right. more on you and it's a bad experience and all that lady might have had to do is say like hey i don't know what might be going on in your day but right. you know like i'm sorry right. and I, I understand i broke the law sure and i accept the punishment that cop's like gonna be like you know what like my bad you and know, you know like, I'm, like I'm you sorry. said a lot of times it's gonna make us go you know what ma'am you're right i've had a bad day mm-hmm. i just came from an accident where and then I, changes the whole day and that's it and now it changes yeah. the perspective of oh crap hey, this this was a bad day. And then she sees the human side of it and goes, oh, crap. Okay, well, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And it makes the experience a little better. Um, but, yeah, the big thing is is when you have those bad days, because we see everybody's bad days, you also have to go and turn to someone. So find that peer support. Find that buddy. Absolutely take care of yourself in positive ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be something that cops used to do called choir practice. Yeah. Um, don't go to choir practice. People that are listening to this, if you know what that is, you know what it is. You know what it is. Um, yeah. So stay away from the, try to stay away from the choir practices um, to just get your, to deal with those days. But like I said, find, find somebody. If, like mm-hmm. I said, if you have peer support, use it, please use it. Right. Um, Would you recommend any like 
tools if they don't have that peer support any like books podcast um any magical chairs you know of course yeah absolutely there's there's great books out there um obviously emotional survivor for law enforcement is wonderful dr kevin gilmorton he's a retired cop um i actually had the pleasure of meeting him at a peer support conference um wonderful dude Uh, that book is amazing it'll change your life as a cop especially if you're a 15 20 year cop and you've never read it it'll completely change your life it'll completely open your eyes to everything that you're doing um it'll change your spouse's life your loved one's life when they read it because they'll see everything that you do in that book um there's hasn't been a cop that i know of that has read that book and not has gone and it hasn't put everything in perspective for them because they go Oh yeah, and I, I knew it was that the, way, but yeah. I just didn't understand it. I've read the old version of it. I sure. need to read the new edition. Right. Um, I know you've read both mm-hmm. of them, so that's cool. I think one of the things that if I could chip in here is that we need to just keep growing. Yeah, and I think absolutely. a lot of the times people, you know, in life they'll stop their education when they stop high school, right? right. They just go straight into yep. the career and then they stay stagnant. Right. And in this field, they finish the academy and they think that's all there is to know. Right. That's the peak of their game. Sure. And now they just go into the career. But yep. in reality, we need to constantly keep training. And it's not just Always. that department training because yep. that's not enough. Sure. It's going out there and doing the steps yourself to actually be effective 100%. at the job to make sure you get to come home, yeah. make sure other people get to go home right. in any scenario and make sure that you keep adapting and growing yourself. Right. That's it's it. a lot of the times in this career, whether that's law enforcement or any first responding in general, we get that nice, t- sharp, shiny axe right. and we start chipping away at the tree until the end of our career but we don't realize is that that axe eventually goes dull yeah right, right. and we have to have that awareness yeah. to be like oh my axe is dull or maybe i'm hitting a different spot every time rather than being persistent yep. and growing you need to have that that humility to take a step back have that awareness to sharpen that to that sharpen that your tool yep. your axe shine it up a little bit that's make it. it look pretty and get back to work yeah and that's 100 percent spot on yeah yeah great so, analogy yeah thank you that's all i have for you today um, I appreciate your time. Oh, and I'm, absolutely. I'm it was glad, great. It was awesome. I'm glad you gave that knowledge to maybe the next person coming up or the cop that has been here for 10, 15 years, whatever it might be. And I hope that many other people can get this perspective change. That's why I started this. Yeah, no, and I hope that this podcast grows and that, I mean, like you said, you're going to be bringing on people with different perspectives. And um, I, like I said, I hope it grows into what it, it really can be because – like I said, for those that are sitting on the fence out there, I just want to say law enforcement is a great career field. Um, it needs great people. So if you're on the fence about it, like I said, do the research we talked about. Um, and if it's something for you, come into it wholehearted and, and really do it and, and be that change. Mm-hmm. So be the change. Thank you. Absolutely. And with that said, that's the first episode of On Do You Raw. <laughs>